pays pals, pay pals, pay interviews, awesome people who happen to be his pals, pay pals. You need to get your license revoked for driving me crazy. Hey, you are listening to PayPal's, and today I am interviewing my pal Jonathan. I first noticed Jonathan, well, it's impossible to not notice this guy. A 6'3", handsome motherfucker in Bangkok tends to turn heads. But also, his shirts and hat. They appeared to be self-designed like he was repping his own brand like merchandise. And since I actually do that as well with bachata t-shirts, I can see when other people are doing that. So that was a fun icebreaker. But the thing you notice next about Jonathan is the way that he interacts, collects, and kind of analyzes in conversation. It's the type of stuff where you can just tell that he is someone completely intent on engaging in the world with people and with anything that's said. As Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Probably should get that one on a shirt. This episode could have been four hours and it would not surprise me. Anyway, after noticing him, I met Jonathan at a Soho house in Bangkok, and he's a former Team USA track and field athlete, competing in the high jump, a business coach, and a new nomad. As it turns out, being recruited to be on Netflix reality dating show, yeah, you can guess which one, that was the kickstart for him to step out of the world of sport for the first time in his life and explore the world. This guy's going places, both literally and figuratively. It's an interesting episode. We talk about sacrifice the benefits of coachability in life and relationships, the concept of luck, opportunity, and the overarching lack of control in our lives, the U.S. culture of respect, or lack thereof, and Generation Z dating dynamics. Thanks, Jonathan. Sacrifice is a huge aspect of sport, even when I think about it. It's just a major part of, should I go out? Should I eat this? Should I do this? Should I wake up at this time? Everything you're thinking about in that process it's technically a sacrifice once you're thinking about it, right? Waking up early, it's kind of a sacrifice of getting more sleep or going to sleep early and missing out on some of the fun that might go on, quote unquote, at night yeah. to to be up in the morning and get more productivity done is sacrifice within itself. So That's true. Yeah, that is definitely a, a big word in sport, in elite, anything, honestly. I think if you get to the higher levels of anything, yeah, yeah. that's kind of where it is. I was talking to someone this past week, and they were telling me that I have a lot in common with someone that I do not want to be compared to, but then I thought about it. I took my ego out of it, yeah. right? And I was like, maybe there is something to it, just because in their vertical, they've accomplished a certain amount of stuff, and I have in my vertical. So I think kind of... At the elite levels, no, that sounds too. At top levels of something, you're always going to find these commonalities, right? I hear you. For example, just people read like crazy, people sacrifice, people can have like self, self-discipline, things like that. Do you believe that they say the average CEO does like 50 books or something? Have you heard of that? Yeah, I, I do believe that. You think the average CEO hits 50 books? Well, I believe you it's... You think those are like 52 to 400 page books or you think they're getting a couple... And they got a couple of spark notes couple in there. hundred pages in there. <laughs> yeah, a couple of Garfield. I don't know. But I think it's like anything. You ask You ask a guy his body count. He's like, I don't know. Let me inflate it a little bit. Maybe for a CEO, it's like, yeah, I can, yeah, I can, I can inf- inflate I can it a little bit. my books, right? Yeah, I think something like that. Because that is a level of in the CEO world or in the leadership world. That's another measure up. It is. You know, how many degrees do I have? How many credibility or accomplishments do I have? How many books have I read, right? And like, it is. that is interesting when you go to different. So like one thing I've done 
for anyone who doesn't know, former USA athlete, yeah, right? Yeah. And then I've I've dabbled in the modeling industry. And so in sport, it's like funny, they want you to be super tall. So I'm like technically six two point seven five. Okay. For the record, six yeah, two point yeah. seven five. Yeah. In sport they're like, Man, you're six three. Yeah. And in modeling, they're like, you're 6'2.5, right? Okay. And I just find these, I find it interesting in these sports or in these like different industries, what really matters or what, yeah. you know, what the hype is or what do you want to lead with? There's something like that. So that's always interesting. They want you to be a little, if you're super tall in modeling, they want you to be a little shorter, but in, in sport, they want you to be a little taller. So, yeah, I think in every term, every kind of uh, vertical and every time of, type of industry or niche, it's like there's a different type of capital that people are looking for, right? Yeah. So, you know, with you staying with the CEO, it's like what can they flex on right they can flex on the number of books they read i don't know how hot their wife is or something like that how much money obviously in athletics i think that's a pretty clear case right performance what about you for now i mean you're like i know you've been nomading not too long yeah you managed to hit a like a record number of soho houses in that in is a record true. short time but i've been alike no nah, i just think with hong kong you don't get a lot for what you pay okay but it's not like the absolute number is not like ultra high yeah so with all this traveling with all this nomading with hitting all these houses what is it that you're trying to optimize for what is it that you're trying to get this capital in yes that's that's, uh when you say capital what do you think about uh what are you trying to gain yes it's really what it is right it's like what is the thing that you're seeking yeah that's that's a great that's a great question to just jump right into it yeah you know went from sport which was great it it gave a lot of benefits but i left sport and I felt like there was just more. And there's a lot of athletes sometimes that leave sport knowing that if you stay in there too long, there's diminishing benefit returns in that in that aspect. And so yeah. it was about time for me to leave sport after Olympic trials in 2021. Yeah. And I went corporate. You know, I got my MBA, went oh, corporate, right. okay. negotiated a, a nice salary, okay. you know, 15 okay. plus K in my salary. So yeah. I always love that to for kids who like, because at that point when I left corporate, I didn't have as much work experience. And so people are like, you can't negotiate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to negotiate. You <laughs> you know, I've been talking to people about negotiating for like four years before, helping yeah. people kind of start that conversation. Yeah. So when I had my opportunity to like negotiate on that corporate level, you're talking about a little bit bigger dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, no longer am I negotiating $3 more at Walgreens uh, <laughs> okay. part-time work, right? right, right. I'm, I'm negotiating, you know, 15 plus t- close to 20K and, and, awesome. and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. But I stayed there a year. Yeah. And like a lot of people feel, man, like unfulfilled to a certain extent. It's a tough year, right? My team was great. Yeah. Like the company was great. My yeah. team was great. Yeah. But I just knew that I wanted to do more. And I, I didn't necessarily know what that more was. And I kind of felt that way in sport where I felt like I wanted to do more outside of sport and I stayed in sport, but um, I was, I didn't know what to do. So I just stayed in sport. And that's kind of what people do sometimes. They just stay in what they know what's next, right? I knew what next was for sport. I knew what next was for academia. I knew what next coming up for what you would call it corporate too. I could have stayed in corporate for a decade. I think you see your life the next decade of your life, right? Have each step. And I I think one of the best things that I think you should look at when knowing when to make a decision is looking at the role ahead of you, right? So I was a product manager. I was looking at the senior product manager and he was a stud. He was doing his thing. He was good. I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. And I was like, man, you're great, but I honestly don't want your job. Yeah. Like, and I am on track to get your job, right? right? Yeah. And so kind of like 
knowing that. So if you're in that position, look at the next role, look at that next position and, and see like, is that something I want? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So long story short, why did I leave? Right. Why am I on this journey? Yeah. And it's to, for me, I'm in this pursuit of really understanding like what matters in life. When am I aligning with like, that's truly liberating my gifts, who I am. And I've been in so many other truths, right? Like, oh, you know, you're the, the Olympic athlete or, you know, you're this, you know, academic kid or you're this corporate guy. Yeah. And I'm like, none of those fit my truth. So now it's You'll like, like them, huh? whatever, you know, maybe there's a combination of that, but now it's yeah. like, find your truth, right? Like put yourself in position to really align yourself with your giftings, with, with what's going to maximize your talents, your gifts, things of that nature. So I'm, I'm on that pursuit. But half of that is like understanding the world you want to impact. And I want to have a global impact. I kind of knew that, right? Okay. But how do you have a global impact if you've never been global? Probably got to go see the globe, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so part of this is like seeing different parts of the world, understanding different parts of the world so I can be able to provide and add value, not just to America, but to the world around us. And uh, you know how it is coming down to Bangkok, man. I've, I've been exposed to so much Oh man, difference. You know what I'm saying? Differences. Yeah. yeah. Even uh, concepts, mindsets, lifestyles, and I'm like, man, uh, you really think one way in the states sometimes, and yeah. it's like, you know, people think all sorts of ways. You know, I, I asked someone today. I was to you. I asked someone today. I was like, hey man, do you, you know, what do you think about good and bad? And he's like, there is no good and bad. There's just is. <laughs> you know, and I'm right. like, yeah, that's, that's such an interesting concept different. because, yeah. And that may be a lot of people's concepts on this side of the world, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it can be. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But, I, yeah, in a, in a glimpse, it's just diving into more of my talents and making sure I'm plugged into the right right thing. You okay. Know? And okay. taking my time on that. I think you should take taking your time. Taking my time on that. You had, 20, what, 27 years uh, of the other path. Now you're just kind of starting yeah. the other one. you got some time. There's blessings in that. Because I have, like, I think people are like, man, I sometimes, like, was it a waste of time? And I'm blessed to be able to have, like, somewhat of a safety net, quote, unquote, to do. I always know I can go back, even though I, I don't believe in that mindset. Yeah. It just happens to be there. Yeah. You know, I can never lose my MBA. I can never lose my accomplishment in sports. Right. And so moving forward, it's like, this is this cushion that you have, but... I think that's even holds someone back sometimes too. So it's like part of this season has been letting go of the past things that could be my safety net. Okay. And just being like full out for this lifestyle. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah. yeah leaving that it. behind because sometimes people carry it with and it anchors them. A couple of days I saw you on a uh, motorbike taxi, right? No helmet. Zooming down Bangkok Street. In what world did you ever think that would be happening? Man, I spent the first three weeks here, like not riding a motorbike. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, I'm not getting on a motorbike without a helmet. I mean, fair. I went to like Patia. I don't know if you guys know what Patia is. It's like, man, a lot going on there. But I was with the school helping out with helping human trafficking, just not even helping out, just honestly gaining visibility. Yeah. Uh, and when I could just chill and help a little bit, I did. But you know, I just got visibility of what's going on down there, what the school was doing, helping human trafficking victims pick up trays to be able to get out of that. But, you know, they had a bike down there. And I was like, man, like they're like just down the street. It starts like this. It starts like yeah. going just down the street. <laughs> no slow, one, no one there. Right. You know, I had a helmet down there. Right. Um, right, right. And then come back here. and I'm like, you know what? This is just five minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do I need a helmet? Do I need do I need one right now? But yeah, right. I definitely gotta watch out for that, man. I don't wanna get I in know, it. I did not I know. 
recommend it or cannot do not condone wanna, this. I do not want to get in the habit of doing that. But yeah, right. It's funny. Where was the place you were before here? Yeah, where was I before? So I went to outside. I haven't traveled outside the states too much. I've been to Paris, okay. Rome, okay. Copenhagen, and Bangkok was like off the whim. But I went all over the U.S. Yeah, this started with me asking a small question, like, should I leave Chicago? Okay, what was the thinking behind all of that? Like, how did you figure out that calculus? Man, it was a lot. I was at my job. I got yeah. uh, highly recruited to be on a dating TV show. I even got a contract uh, to sign. And I was I was in Chicago, but this is national. It sounds like love is blind, but okay. Hey. Who, who can say? <laughs> who can say? <laughs> who can, who say? can say? Yeah, but yeah. But it was uh, it was interesting to be in that position to like have to go to California, and then at that time, I'm looking at what does life more have to offer? You know what I'm saying? Now that I love yeah. sport and I'm in corporate, I get this opportunity to be on a reality TV show. Yeah. But it, it wasn't for me. I didn't feel like it was something that I aligned with yeah. in, in the type of the show and that it was really fitting what my brand was going to be in the future. And so even though it could have had a lot of views and a lot of eyes on the, you know, because that's kind of why people do it, sure. I was like, man... This isn't this is necessarily for me. But what it did do was it started it sparked like it sparked that interest because I would have had to leave my job for like three oh. months. If you go to reality TV, like you're off the grid for as much as three months if, if you stay on whatever the competition is. Okay, um, whichever one. Yeah, yeah whichever. One. <laughs> I'll tell you offline. Okay, but uh, that was honestly a great experience. It allowed me to use more of my personality, like because when you go corporate, you're like potentially cutting a, a part of yourself off to fit the corporate vibes, whether that's yeah. how you dress, how you yeah. speak, how you present, what you work on. And so, you know, for them, they they make money if you're as much as you as possible, whether yeah. that's super weird or right. super cool, whatever your vibe is, they yeah. want it that's as authentic want you, right? as possible, right? Yeah. And I was like, man, I like this. I like just being myself and just like really leaning into to that. And so, uh, yeah, but that that was going to be in California. That was going to find me out to California for a couple months. Okay. And so anyways, I was like, maybe I'll live in L.A. for a little bit. Not just for the dating show because I said no to that, but yeah. there was other things I was dabbling into, acting, modeling. And I just had to like work through it, you know what I'm saying, and see like if that's what I wanted to do. Because yeah. this is all new, and you got to make decisions quick. Yeah. Right. So L.A., I went down there for three weeks, three, four weeks, didn't like it. Then I went to, and then I just started flying from there, like Utah, Georgia, Florida, okay. like Atlanta. Uh, yeah. You know, Tampa, Miami, New York. I was just going. It's like you're out of the cage of Chicago and you're like, cool, what's next? Yeah. What else is out here? Let me see. Well, I, I decided not to sign a lease. Like, my lease went up in Chicago. Uh. And I was going back. I was traveling, but I was, like, not spending time in my apartment. So I was like, you know, when my lease went up, I was like, there's no point Why? in signing a whole year lease again. And so I just started Airbnb and like month by month, you know, if I had like a, someone had like an extra room I could buy out, I would do that at a location or I'd just get my own place. It was, it was just like what the energy was in that atmosphere. And so when you realize that you can get your own place though, you just, you know, change the game. I think a lot of people think that's probably cost prohibitive, but it's, it can be cheaper than having a lease, right? It could be cheaper, but it was probably a little bit more expensive for me, but it might've been. 20% to 30% more expensive. The way I think of it is, am I willing to pay 20 to, like, let's just go up to 50. 20 to, am I willing to pay 20 to 50%? To, and you're only doing that within a year. So let's say you're paying like 12,000 for rent and you pay, yeah. you know, two to 3,000, 20 to 50% more. That could be anywhere from, you know, 3,000 to $6,000 more. Yeah. Now that is to give you ultimate freedom to I live like wherever it. you want in the world, right? And so like, 
Am I willing to pay three to six thousand dollars for to live wherever I want in the world whenever I want? Sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like if you have that flexibility, yeah. You know what I'm saying? True. Yeah, and that opens up a whole another can of worms. Like, how do you get to that flexibility? We yeah. can talk about that all day, but yeah. I've been fortunate to like have that financial like i didn't just go blow my money in college yeah. get a bunch of tables and do all that i was just you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah. yeah like I was, yeah. and so it gave me the freedom to like have some cash stacked up to make some of these decisions okay yeah yeah how long you been on this you've been on this for this life this you wouldn't even call it a nomadic life right it's more of an expat life or like what's there's a difference there, right? There's a big difference. I don't know which one you're going to end up doing, but I've been doing the nomad. Well, right now I'm an expat. Since about 2019, I've been an expat. And before that, I was a nomad for almost four years. And I I kind of made the transition because of COVID because I was in Taiwan. I planned to stay for a couple months. Yeah. Couldn't go anywhere. Something happened at the beginning of 2020, right? COVID. So you went from the States, yeah, which was California. Yeah. We're in California again. Near San Francisco. And then you you got here. Oh, boy. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm like zigging, zagging all over the world oh, okay. in my life, right? So, so yeah, I, um, I mean, I think, I don't know if you've encountered this yet, but like when you kind of meet people that have random life paths, it's usually love <laughs> that takes uh, them somewhere, yeah? Okay. I don't know if you've observed that yet with people. I have. I have. have, right? I met someone the other day. He's like, Bangladesh and Delhi, and I was like, "Man, you're, you're from the he's from the state." I was like, "Wow, he's like, yeah, yeah, China, you know, this that's lady." Why. That's <laughs> why. That's right. So for me, my first big step was um, I kind of moved to Hungary part time because I met a girl in Budapest. Yeah, okay. I was kind of backpacking through. I kind of did that for a while, like boomerangs. So it was love that took me out of the states, and that was. Um, Kind of starting in 2015. Yeah. First part-time and then half-time. And then before you know it, I was like, I haven't had a lease in the U.S. since 2016. Wow. I haven't lived there. Wow. I don't know what your dating experience has been inside and outside the U.S., but do you have you noticed any differences? Yeah. I haven't dated yet out here in in turn that's just kind of been like... Flirtations. I've been like a bystander a little bit. Okay. But I've been hearing, and part of that is like, discovery like asking questions from the boys and being like yeah man like what you know what's the vibe like what what's the energy like and i have heard there's some differences for sure yeah i've heard there's some differences but i haven't necessarily experienced too much myself yet so we'll see well, part two part okay. two on okay that one. part two that's after a couple of weeks of experience well i can tell you one of the big differences is that if you're dating here be prepared to be prepared to spend more money, but less money overall. You know what I mean? It's spend like more money, but less money. Be overall. prepared to pay for stuff, but it's going to be less overall. Mm, so, so you gotta you gotta pay for more stuff than if you were to be on a date in the states for, potentially. Like, what would you pick up that you wouldn't pick up in the states necessarily? I think it's just more expected here. Okay, it's more appreciated here. Okay, and then I think uh, you know I'm from San Francisco, right? It's a lot of people want to display that they can pay, males and females. There's nothing bad about that, and there's nothing mm. bad about the what's going on here, but it's just a big difference. Feminism. Okay. Yeah. Now we're getting into the weeds. Now we're getting into something. <laughs> Feminism. There is a level of competition in the States right now, uh, even between man and woman, now that you bring it up, now that I'm thinking about it. It's like, because I asked one of my guys, I was like, hey. This sounds interesting. I was like, hey, he was like, I was like, hey, do you pay for, you know, the woman's bill? 
it was just came up or something. He's like, I didn't pay. I was like, do you pay for the woman's bill if you take him on a date? Yeah. And he's like, not always. And this is different for me, right? Like, I can't remember if I have not done it, but I, I tend to pay for the bill, right? Like, take on that. Yeah. And I was like, man, so it was like, I'm just trying to dig deeper, like, understand his concept around this. And he was like, women make so much these days. <laughs> it, it just changes. Yeah. And, and he's a little younger. He's probably at the time in his early 20s. And okay. so a couple, not too far, but like three years, it could be like a, you know, back, it could be like a different. That's like 20K, 30K maybe difference, right? Three years of I mean, th working experience, no, no, three right? Three years in terms of age difference, like three, four years, meaning that like, like, oh, you, like li listening into his dating experience, oh, yeah, four right. years difference is like, it's not like a whole decade, but it's like a half a decade. It's kind know? of like a different generation it's, almost, It feels right? like it a little bit. Yeah. And so his generation is kind of coming up with yeah. job offers being a little bit more the same. Yeah. And he's like, man, why am I... You know, restricting my financial future. That's true. When to, right. to you know treat a girl that I'm like statistically, if you're a math person, <laughs> you're probably not gonna marry, right? Like you're gonna go on a couple <laughs> yeah. dates before you, you know, dates in the big cities at least can be expensive. You might not even eat and pay a sixty ball. <laughs> probably, know? probably. You might just get appetizers and play a sixty. You might, yeah. So yeah, that's true. Gets, so then what is that? That's like he's uh, he feels like he doesn't want to pay because there is no incentive to pay or he feels that why is this model even here? This is a model from different generations. I think he's unconsciously just like different, right? Drawing that line. Yeah. Pushing, you know, testing the, you know, just like kind of pushing it, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, I don't know, maybe catch 10 generations. Yeah, I mean, not 10 generations, 10 years, maybe 10 more years. Yeah. 20 more years, maybe they push that all away. Maybe it's equal, equal. I don't know. Like maybe it's 50, 50 for that generation. But, uh, you know, that's why it's interesting where we're going Yeah. in terms of relationships, even the traditions. I can't tell you where we're going. I'm not even telling you what's right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying it's interesting to kind of yeah. see the evolution and everything. Well, I can tell you that being in Asia and where I was previously, mostly in Eastern Europe, it's, um, it's traditional. Yeah. It is traditional. You're not really going to see so much of the evolution that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I can yeah. tell you one thing that it makes things very clear, and it's like uh, there, there's very clear gender roles here. Yeah. It's, but also what I find out here is that, and take this, take this lightly how I'm mentioning this, <laughs> is it's a little behind in, of the innovation in some parts out here. And so tradition kind of like lies in like the lack of or the like slowness of how we develop and kind of coming out here you know you still have crazy street food you still have mm. like infrastructures that you know would be probably remodeled in the states you know what i'm saying uh, straight up legal yeah 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 you know what i'm saying yeah. so right. it's just like and with that though but i do see even thai culture like changing and becoming more individualistic in ways or yeah. uh because there's a king here if you guys do not know there's, yeah, a, king there's a king here there's a king and even the res even the way they respect the king compared to the last one and the things like people tell you how people talk about oh you hear all about this already huh man i'm in these conversations you know what i'm saying i'm <laughs> yeah, doing yeah, the work yeah. i'm doing the work yeah, they're not a fan and so yeah, <laughs> yeah they talk about the movie theaters i don't know if you ever heard about the movie theaters like explain people so in the movie theaters i haven't been to one yet but i guess this doesn't happen in the states but school for us, we stand up to the Pledge of Allegiance. And yeah. uh, I guess they do some national anthem before the movie starts or something like that in respect to the king here. Yep. And 
people aren't standing like they used to. I don't even think you know? <laughs> that is exactly what happened. People are yeah. not standing like they used to, you know. People are like, man, yeah. like and I think it's a trickle effect where, you know, you see a couple people not sit and then you go to the movie theaters maybe two times and then you feel somewhat of a disagreement with something. And you're like, you know what? I'm not standing either, right? Yeah. And then Why next thing you to? know, two, three, four years, no one's standing at the movie theaters anymore. Yeah. That's true. And you just changed the whole you know, behavior of how you went about something. I mean, that's where the culture change starts, right? Yeah. It's just in the small things. So, yeah, that's crazy. You go to some of these areas, get Pad Thai for 60 baht, 50 baht on the street. And, like, not just some, like, I don't want to say, like, right, like some not quality Pad Thai. It's actually pretty good Pad Thai. And I have, I paid 50 baht for Pad Thai. And they put in this plastic container. They had like the garments and the the sai utensils and the oh, plastic yeah. bag and everything. And I was like fifty bucks. If you guys don't know, it's about what a dollar and fifty cent. One forty. One forty. Yeah, one forty. And so pad Thai in the states is what is it like ten, twelve to twenty? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, fifteen on average, fourteen ninety five. Right. <laughs> and they give you attitude, man. It comes with a free helping of attitude. <laughs> the energy there is, yeah. is not the best. It's um, different. That's actually ironic. You said this Pad Thai place that I go to in Chicago. I won't mention the name of the restaurant, <laughs> but my guy refuses to go there yeah. because the service was just bad one time. Like it yeah. was just disrespectful, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, the Pad Thai's good. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep. You know, ordering. But he's like, what? <laughs> they treated you so bad. <laughs> I'm like, man, you know, it's right here. Um, Can you imagine that kind of treatment here? Not gonna happen. Man, there's there's a lot of respect out here for kind of like we said, maybe just. An inflated viewpoint sometimes, but yeah. I love respect. I love just respecting humans in general, like yeah. just that concept. Yeah. And so to see it in such abundance here is nice. And so I, I like doing it. I like, and I think sometimes they're surprised how respectful I come off sometimes. They might I'll be. Just, I'll just bow. Just yeah. keep putting my hands together. Yeah. And, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. You know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Get lower <laughs> than them a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Or just let them pass. And they look at me like, <gasps> Oh, thank you. Oh, like, they expected yeah. me just to, like, walk in front of them or just, like... Probably. You know, they do the... They, uh, individuals in Thailand, if you were to... Me and you were talking right now and they wanted to cross. Yeah. I've seen individuals get super low. Like, I'm yeah, talking like, army right. crouch low, right? Right. And so, you know, I kind of, like, try to mimic some behaviors just to show yeah. respect in that manner. Uh, how does I, that, I like it. How does that same situation play out in the U.S.? No, if I... This is what I was talking about. <laughs> right? I was talking to someone... Who uh who is in Thailand does some work in Thailand, and basically nonprofit work by the way, and basically they went into um man just they went into they went back to America and they were bowing and they were doing this like like the same kind of mannerisms and they felt weird because yeah. people are gonna look at you like you're crazy like why are you showing that much yeah. respect also just get out of my way <laughs> yeah it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. chivalry right like we were talking about chivalry the other day yeah that's right and just like. Even like when you're dating and you're respecting your your partner, it's like yeah. you could be doing too much, which is a crazy concept to be being too respectful. To being too nice? Like, is that what? a problem? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like what? So but it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. I think something I notice when I go back to the US is that this this is actually a perfect example. Uh, not the chivalry part, but the uh, the part about just two people, they're like in a hallway. It's like, how do they pass? Okay, so in the US, I think there's like... I mean, you just kind of brush shoulders, maybe. Maybe they even bump into you and just walk by. Yeah. 
Right. As you're saying here, they're like, no, you go. And I'm doing some motions that you can't see, but it's like, yeah, they're each one is trying to get lower. It's like a competition of like, I care about you. You go. No, I care more. Yeah. It's nice. It is nice. That's interesting that you think about that. A lot of people would just innately like brush each other or just like try to squeeze in. Yeah. But like now, maybe due to travel, maybe just due to, I don't know, my parents, but like, what's enough? Kneeling the knee is a deficit because every time you kneel the knee, yeah. you lose in, in war and. And even American football, you nearly need downs. Like, it's, yeah, it plays it's over. Right. Um, I don't know what you could, what word you could use to to give humbleness a better, like, not near the knee, but like. What better marketing? Sacrificing in a more <laughs> honorable way. You know what I'm saying? But you're talking about it's like kind of deficient in the U.S. or what is it? Yeah, it's like this, it's like this term where like if you take, that's why people don't take the high road. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm looking for, the high road. Because it's like this thing that makes you sometimes feel like, man, I am inferior in this situation. Yeah, you're like a chump. Yeah, exactly. Someone's walking all over you. Exactly. Yeah. And what we, you know, what I think is going to help humanity get back to a place of like wholeness yeah. and respectfulness yeah. and love is the ability to just like get comfortable and take this take this with a with the wide perspective, everyone. But yeah, just to like just to be inferior a little bit, you know, just be okay with that if you have to uh-huh. put yourself in those shoes. And you know, it feels weird. Feels weird. You know, if we look at it differently, like I'm giving the person, you know, kinda like everyone wants to be a superstar, always. Mm-hmm. And it's like there is I was playing ball yesterday. And I was like, I passed it to this dude, and he made four threes off my pass. I was pass, assist, yeah. swish. I felt like, even though I wasn't the one making those threes, I felt real good passing, <laughs> and I, you know, giving the assist. And I just think we have to look at it more of an assist. Yeah, okay. To, to, to leveling, you know, giving people the right of way or yeah. the, you know, the pass on the situation. I get or, it. You know, just patience or understanding, you know. Yeah. Give it, think of it as an assist. I think everyone has main character syndrome these days, you know? Yeah. Especially in the U.S. Well, let me ask you a question. Related, semi-related. So, I don't know. The U.S. has gotten a little weird politically. Yeah. Like, how do you, does that influence kind of your decision to venture outside a little bit? Man, bad or good, I, actually not even bad or good. It's just kind of like, politics are great, but I am not too caught up on them that's good you know because it's kind of like that thing where you're like i gotta make sure my cup is full before i you know help fill other people's cups or i need to make sure i get to a level of of financial stability before i can even help someone financially whether that's right or wrong i think politically we get some individuals just get way into the weeds before they have and i guess people are like the vote your vote matters Mm. and i'm not going to speak on that what else matters, right, that you could be working on right. instead of getting lost in the news? Right. Just angry about the stuff that doesn't angry, affect you or you can't control, right? You can't control and just, yeah. you know, maybe arguing about it or venting about it. And I'm like, well, how can we elevate even in the chaos to be able to potentially return into the conversation with influence okay. and power? Okay, I see that. And resources. That's part of your. Uh, that's part of the purpose for your trip, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I don't know. Do you look at it the same? I stopped reading the news in around 2017, 2018, probably for similar reasons, but add an additional reason, which is that in in the U.S. the news cycle it's like Game of Thrones, right? I mean, like in reality, it is like Game of Thrones because they're all trying to fill this these seats, but in the media, they're trying to make it 
as attractive as Game of Thrones mm. that are sucking you in it. And then the American democracy, so to speak, becomes the, the soap opera of the American democracy. I just kept getting sucked in. I was anxious. I was a little bit angry about stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. I wasn't even living in the U.S. at that time. I'm sorry, I wasn't voting. So my vote did not get counted. But I wasn't living there. None of this stuff was affecting me. None of this stuff was even affecting my family. So I was like, what am I doing? What am I wasting my time doing? And to be honest, being abroad is comforting in that fact that I am just illiterate. This is the one pro of being illiterate. And so I do not get, I cannot get caught up in that stuff. You're talking about being able to read the, the language here, being able to understand the language. Yeah. It, I, so I think you just get out of it. Right. It, it's a forced, it's a forced peace of mind a yeah. little bit. You watch it. You can't even hear, you can't even understand what's going can't on. Can't even understand it. You know, I was in, uh, there was one big shooting. I remember a few years ago in Paris and then it was, um, it's a Bataclan it's like some guy busted into some concert with an AK or something like that. I was in Paris that day, and then yeah. it's a scary situation because when I came out at night, there were cops with automatics drawn mm. and pointed at me. But I was like... Oh, they were drawn and they were pointed at you? I mean, they don't know, right? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You came, so it was Paris. You were at the concert? I wasn't at the concert. I was just uh, like walking around the Champs-Élysées or whatever at the time. So you were about what, like... Two miles, three miles from this? Like one or two, cl- yeah. Okay. <laughs> real close, <laughs> yeah. real close. I can't understand French. Yeah. So I didn't, I was watching the news the next day. I was like, let's just live in my ignorance is bliss bubble. Yeah. A little bit. But you couldn't live there with these guns pointing at you and then going home that night. I mean, I left that. I left the next day. <laughs> I left the next day. But yeah. for the people that speak French fluently in France, obviously, yeah. that's a lot of stress that they're going to be thinking about for the next who knows how long. I heard about the terminal what is that Sion? paragon right the paragon that where the shooting was recently yeah yeah two I days heard ago about right? that immediately yeah as it was happening i met people this week and group chats were blowing up right now i was at a table I, even the thai individuals i was eating food with were just talking about it it was it came quick in an english <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's it's true <laughs> that's true came quick but that was something that usually doesn't happen here it was very like because in the stage has been happening like every day to an upsetting amount obviously if it happens once it's upsetting but it's to such an amount where it's kind of like people know america is that they're like i was literally at the table three individuals who live here that are just actually two different countries yeah but they were like doesn't that happen in america a lot how do you guys deal with it what do you guys do (laughs) do you and then they asked me they asked me they were like do you guys get training on what to do when this happens in a mall and i was like do we? Do we? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, Do I have it. I just think we take the classroom approach. If you're in a classroom, you have to go into your room, lock your door, close your, shut off, like close so all the windows. Do, and classrooms do, schools do get training on this now. Oh, schools definitely get training on this oh, for sure. Sad state oh, of go, uh, go under the desk. Like, I think yeah. it's the act, there's no one in the room approach, maybe. Okay. Because they like turn off all the lights and then close the blinds and then everyone goes on their desk. I think that's the aim for it because... What's, what's the alternative? Yeah, there really you is know? it. There really like is Like run? It. I don't know, man. No, because the whole the way you don't have any escape yeah. things in each room and so... And come on, you're a runner. <laughs> they can't get their knees up. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no speed. cuts. No uh, traction. Yeah. Yeah. So... One yeah. of my friends um, in Taiwan, his main business is e-commerce, but what he actually sells is bulletproof vests. In the U.S., right? He also has a segment of bulletproof vests for kids. And wow. he's like, ever since the past five years, that's blown up. Wow. 
It's fucked up, right? That is sad. That's a sad state of affairs. Great business model. Great business model. But upset for the reasoning of why you need them and what the reason is. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Like there's a need for this? Yeah. I guess. How much do you like business models? Like when you started your business, were you looking at it from a business model perspective? Zero percent. Okay. Zero percent. <laughs> we can talk about this. Zero percent. So I don't know if you know my background too much. I used to be a lawyer. Yes. Oh, we talked about that a little yes, bit. Yes, a little yeah. bit. I was just super unhappy. Yeah. Honestly, probably one of the lowest years of my life. I did it for about a year. Mm. And then I did the same thing as you, which is, I think some people call it like the corner office test, right? You look at the guy in the corner office, you're like, do I want to be him? Because yeah. I'm going to be him. Do I want to be him? And then that was just a resounding no for me. So for me, I was just trying to find a way out. I wasn't thinking about the next step. I was just thinking about like, what's going to get me out of this job? Not poor. Mm. So I was just doing a bunch of stuff. I was throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall. And then I just started writing. And that's just kind of the thing that took off the most for me. I love that. Yeah. So you're one of those ones that are, that like fall into the business model that works for you. You're one of the gifted ones. I <laughs> know. I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. You're one of the gifted ones, man. You're one of the ones that. It's a gift to just be working, to just like try to figure it out and to fall into to well, fall into it. I do believe when there's preparation and there's opportunity that, that creates something. But I still think there's a large element of luck with a lot of this stuff. Wow. Man. Yeah. There and what's what's your what's your concept on luck? I'm actually interested. I used to have difficulties with luck. Like Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting topic, too. I have a, I have a very clear view on it, actually. You, hear, you ever heard of something called the surface area of luck? No, I would love to hear this. Okay, surface area of luck, right? So luck is just when you have more opportunities, I think. And obviously, you have to recognize the opportunity, and you have to have the mental space and all that stuff to take it. But how do you generate these opportunities? Two things, right? Surface area, X and Y. So it's you do things. It's so simple, dude. You do things, and you tell people about things. That's the surface area look. The more you do, the more exposure, right? And then the more that you tell people about the stuff that you do, the more exposure you get. So this look, and this is my point, is that luck or is that more of a great equation for opportunity? I think they're the same thing. So you, you equate luck thing. with opportunity. For sure. So if you receive no opportunity, are you lucky? No, you're not lucky. Why not? Let's say I don't receive any opportunity Okay. In any states, I'm like extremely healthy. Okay. But received no opportunities. Am I lucky? You're lucky because I think you had other conditions to make you an extremely healthy person. So there's different scales that we look at, right? It's in the health realm, you're lucky. In other stuff, maybe not. So even if you're thinking about or even listening to this podcast, you're lucky automatically. Oh, to be in the top percentile to, to even listen to this right. podcast to even have you know the opportunity to listen to this podcast to even have the opportunity to have time isn't that that's under the luck realm huh that's true that's okay so we go with that right that's like you're born in a first second ish world country yes. right you have some sort of education you have access to technology you can probably brush your teeth anytime you want stuff yeah. like that that's luck yeah and so that makes and, and that's that's why i feel like the second or third world individuals look at a lot of other foreigners maybe or even individuals from the western world or america as favorable because a lot of us are extremely lucky we're super lucky like yeah. i was raised my first five years in gary indiana which is four or five years in gary indiana which is like at one point 
I think I was reading an article. It was like murder capital of the U.S. in like 96 or something. I saw a headline about Gary, Indiana the past week or something that it's a terrible place to live. It, <laughs> it was basically that, bad. right? Yeah, people yeah. Like would be scared to like drive through it. You home, know, Home of Michael Jackson though, right? Yeah, I actually don't know what it was like during his time. I have, <laughs> Probably not that much better, I have man. no idea. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, granted his whole story. is um, Yeah. I just can't. I have. I never looked into like what life was like for him and Gary, yeah. but yeah. I know what life was told. You know, five years old, you get out. You don't really, you know, conceptualize much in your experience. You have glimpses yeah. of things you experience, but man, even me being there and yeah. the type of parents that I had to like mm. want to get out of that sacrifice and just work and then move to the burbs and then give me opportunities to even just apply to college and lucky you know, right? even though lucky yeah. even though I, I knew I wasn't I was gonna have to figure out how to pay for college because mm. they spent so much into getting us to the level to even get to college you get what yeah. I'm saying yeah yeah uh, I knew I was gonna have to take the torch from there but even and some people may consider that unlucky but like we're just in just even to be able to apply to be able to go through the childhood with like parents taking on most of the stress that's great there's stresses as a kid for sure but yeah they're taking on the heavy lifting. I wasn't forced into the, the saddest thing that I've seen in this side of the world is that kids are forced into work early because poverty is just too high for the burden, the stress needs to go on to the kids as well. Everyone needs to contribute basically, Everyone needs right? to contribute. And um, that's in unimaginable ways at times. You know what I'm saying? I guess part of that is that you're seeing outside, right? When you're walking and then you see the homeless beggars, right? Sometimes they use kids as props. Yes. Sometimes they, they use puppies. I just saw a rabbit for the first time. Oh it's a yeah. Prop, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's the babies they they get me. <laughs> yeah. I, I right. there's something with just like feeling like respons like I don't know, not responsible, just wanting to have like a hand on, on making that child's life a little bit better. I mean that's just normal empathy, man. That's a <laughs> that's a good thing to have. But I gotta tell you, man, when I walk past those things with like locals, they're yeah. like, Don't give them money. They make so much money. I'm like, Are you sure? I don't think they make nothing, but they're still they're yeah. still there on the street, what, 20 hours a day or something, whatever it is. I can only tell you that in the States that some panhandlers yeah. make money. They really do, huh? They make the average, yeah. what is the average? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking series. Yeah. But if I looked it up, I heard if you panhandling is like when you do the... Someone made maybe like six figures. Panhandling. In the States. Oh, I think maybe I'm going crazy. I believe it's um, I, I believe it's happened. It was like a lot. It was like not let's not go six figures. Let's go above fifty thousand though. I guarantee there's someone who made that. And even making that in the States, just like doing that. Yeah. It's like crazy to think about. But it was definitely over fifty thousand because it was like an uncomfortably large amount for just like <laughs> shaking it up. Right. But then that ruins it for all the individuals who actually because maybe there is one individual in the streets that are making a ton of money. Yeah. Because they just choose all the best locations they know. Right, right, and right. And people are dropping them 100 baht, which if you think about it, if I drop 20, 20 baht within an hour. Yeah. How many people an hour, right? Someone making 500 to 1,000 baht a day. Yeah. That automatically puts them in this account. You can't try You can't compare this bot too but if you make about 20 to thirty thousand bot 35,000 bot here 35,000 high and as a average income earning worker yeah and if you make a thousand bot a day you can get up there and so yeah. you panhandle you wait on that street right by terminal 21 or right. that's cool with those right. you might get a couple 20s and a hundreds and you might be at three to five hundred a day you really maybe might. even a thousand on lucky dick you didn't pay 15 to thirty thousand you really might so it's possible when you're at the lowest of the lowest, it can be extremely hard to even get that job. You know, that True. like that 
the even the because most individuals that are working out here they may have the stands or I don't even know how they get the first equipment to be able to to work it out. Just even the cart and the whole. I don't even know if you need stickers or, or business. That's the thing about business in the U.S. Sometimes, yeah, you cannot create street. The reason there is so much more street food out here because the barrier to entry to street food is probably not all that high it's compared not, to. It's not regulated. Not the states. It's yeah. in the states. It's, it's regulated. It's, yeah, it's, it's high. high. You know, you're gonna yeah. see a food truck, and that food truck might get a huge fine. If, right. If you do not have that that right yeah. credentialing or something of that nature. So yeah. Yeah, I gotta say that is kind of one of the things I do appreciate here, though. It's not that I'm trying to start a food standard, but it's like it's kind of the wild, wild west, man. Yeah. And okay, if people are kind of good-hearted about it, if it's like a collectivist, yeah, uh, you know, culture, it kind of can go well. Yeah. But can you imagine the U.S. being a wild, wild west? The whole reason it's so heavily regulated is because people will just <laughs> do what they want. In the oh, because you're saying in the U.S. Yeah. They would just, and individuals here actually don't utilize the Wild Wild West as much as someone in America would if America was the Wild Wild West. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, you got it. Okay. It's, it's like this, I saw this, um, there's like some hitchhiking robot or something. And it was like, he went through Europe for months with no, nothing. He was cool. And then this this hitchhiking Euro, uh, robot, he got to Philly or something. And then like within a week, he was just like destroyed. <laughs> Wait, the hitchhiking robot, and it was going around, and <laughs> who destroyed it? America. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to say so that, it went like, all around the world, and got to America, and then the Americans just were like, <laughs> "If there's a thing, I'm gonna steal it or break it apart, or like." That's actually hilarious. Get a chop shop or something. I don't know. No, that's hilarious. Yeah, and then you notice. I don't know if you notice, like, people don't change stuff down around here outside. Oh, that's a good point. But like in America, even in California, I don't know what the state of Chicago is, but like in California, like you have to chain chairs outside. You got to chain oh, them down. Oh, yeah, your bike. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking bikes. Bikes too. Yeah. The cool thing that I've noticed here is that you can leave your helmets on your bikes. Yeah. It sounds so simple. Yeah. But like you, you're in your moped, you park, you put the helmet on there, you go for a couple hours, yeah. go into whatever you need, go back, your helmet's going to be there. And that helmet could cost anywhere from five hundred, I two fifty, but like five hundred to fifteen hundred baht. Yeah. So someone could steal that. And yeah. Just be like, let me try to resell this, but no, they just. No, I don't. I'm torn actually sometimes about the level of because technically, for example, there's heavy amount of energy here. What's the word? Um, I guess human trafficking is the word people usually use. People selling sex out here, prostitution, things of that nature. And then you have this opposite side of this where you think, because that's a crime out here, right? Because technically it's- Technically illegal, yeah. It's legal, but it makes up a significant Which is hilarious, of this yeah. economy. Right. Um, but then on the other hand of it, it's like super safe. It's super safe, So yeah. you, got, you got a country who's significant, almost probably as much as 50%, like significant amount of its economy holds, you know, crime is holding it up in a way. Yeah. But at the same time, 50 may be a high number, I'm not for sure, 100%, but I know it's significant. Those are know, two right? polarizing differences. It is. Let me, let me give you some more information on that that you'll probably think is hilarious. So I don't know if you've tried to access it. You know Pornhub is blocked here? No, I have not tried to access uh -huh, it. Okay. <laughs> just me then. But, but it okay. is. <laughs> right? I respect the bold. I'm I, just, res uh, yeah. I respect the bold <laughs> dive into that. Yeah. Uh, so that's outlawed. It's, it's right? blocked. I mean, blocked, illegal, whatever. But like, you just walk outside to succumb it, right? And it's, oh, here it is. 
just in the flesh. It's, it's crazy. And yeah, it's, it's honestly sad how much it is of that is out here. And, yeah. uh, going to that organization that I told you about. Down, Pania, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Down in, uh, Patsy, a great organization. And it's just crazy to see the vastness of what they have to like, we kept using the analogy, like picking up sand, like when the need is so bad, like so right. much. Yeah. And when you save some of it, it's like, it seeps back in and it's a generational thing. It's generational. And yeah. uh, I've heard stories of families that have fifth generation prostitute, stuff like that. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I believe it. And I'm like, yeah. these are very different conversations that I'm having yeah. in the States about generational. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. It's just <laughs> tough. It's just tough. And so. I know. Yeah. But this all started with luck. And I want to give you my professional love real quick. Oh, let's do so it. different with New York, especially with an athlete. Athletes get this mm. all the time. It's like, you're, man, you're lucky. Your genetics, be, right? Yeah, your genetics. And it's like, yeah. bro, what do you think we do every day? I know. When we put right? three to six hours a day in. Right. You know, whether that's rehab, training, yeah. weightlifting. Yeah. And we do this for over a decade. Like, right. what do you think? Who do you think you would be right. if you did that for? I'm not saying you're going to be, you know, Usain Bolt. Right. But you don't think you could make a little bit of money on the amateurs? You don't think you, <laughs> if you put in a whole decade of training? Right. Come on, believe in yourself a little bit. <laughs> you, okay. And the greatest sport I've seen this in is track and field. I've seen people, some people may be like, I'm too short. They put a pole in their hand. They're over here jumping 17 feet. Got themselves a scholarship at college. They're, they're five, six, five, yeah. seven, five, eight. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's opportunity in almost anything. Uh, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard quote because if you're gonna go football and basketball and all this other stuff, but man, yeah. it's just there's ways. And so I just feel my relationship, negative relationship, came through sport a lot. And I had to realize one day, your comment changed my mind on luck. Even shift, continuously shifting it, right? And so one person shifted it. was cause I used to take a lot of third attempt jumps. Okay. And that's like... Can you explain what that is? Yeah. yeah so you jump. In the high jump, you have... I used to compete for Team, I competed for team USA in the high jump. And you get three attempts. Okay. And, so I, and I competed at the University of Illinois for a while in the high jump as well and other events. But... On the third attempt, you either make it or you're done. Your okay. your competition's over, right? Okay. And so it's a very high stress third attempt. You're going for it. At any third attempt in life, your last Hill Mary for anything in life could come down to you completing it or you just accidentally messing up. For example, I'm running, it's there's a puddle there. I slip in the puddle, yeah. I miss and lose that competition, no matter if the puddle's there or not, right? right. So luck is kind of like, hey, I am not in control of all these like little puddles or random things that could just pop out or this randomly smooth spot where my like cleat doesn't catch on to, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. everything kind of goes in my favor. And a lot of luck is usually tied with probably faith, you know? Go on. Like if there's a deeper meaning than luck, like every time people are concept of luck, they're hoping that things go in their favor outside of something they can control. And the only real way to do that yeah. is through like, just having faith. Nothing will go wrong. It's like these words we interchange. Okay. But, you know, there's nothing lucky actually happening in that situation, right? Like, right. Like the puddle's not just going to disappear or ground's not just going to change automatically, right. right? My steps are just going to be like innately guided and the mm -hmm. whole nine. I don't have to, you know, nothing changed. It's just everything's already set. And so I have faith and I have encouragement and I have hope. That path is our, it is meant for me not to slip. And if it is, if I do slip. Yeah, what if happened? What happens if you do? Then I'm not unlucky. It's just 
that was part of the process. Ah, okay. You get what I'm saying? So since okay. people who lean on luck too much and like luck is good or bad, yeah. when it turns out bad, they don't, they don't end up using that unlucky experience for something positive. The thing okay. about faith is like, Got it. whether you, you know, it goes your way or not, you can pick up that situation and plug it into the fact that like that's supposed to teach you other lessons, other concepts, that's supposed to build you. It's, it's a whole different how you pivot off of that. I get it. You know, I feel like a lot of people they're outsourcing like their personal responsibility to luck or oh, okay. Faith. That, I like that's, that. I yeah, think that's, that's kind of what you're saying, though, right? It's like, oh, that didn't happen, so it wasn't meant to happen, and they're not thinking, what can I do to better the situation next time? Mm. I, I think another way that you're trying to say is that you're just focusing on the things that you can control, and actually, there's a lot you can control, but there's a lot that you can't. Right? Yes, you can't control the puddle. Right, but you can control how you react to it. You control how you think about it. You can control what you learn from it. I'm a person. I'm a big like hundred percent ownership. Even though hundred percent mm. ownership doesn't actually, it's like most things today. You look at the juice bottles like hundred percent juice, and you're like, this is uh yeah, is probably it? not hundred percent juice. <laughs> and that's kind of like hundred percent ownership. It's like you have to believe it is hundred percent. You are hundred percent ownership, even though you do not have control over everything you don't own everything that's but right. it just puts you in a position just to move forward in every way you can yeah and allow the variables just to be yeah. you know what i'm saying like what is the point of considering things you can't you know like why spend energy why exert energy on things you can't control that you don't even know may pop up may not pop up i think people are kind of trapped in that they don't even realize they're doing it right? mm, that's why we're having this conversation why <laughs> that's right someone's gonna think man am i am i taking 100 percent? am i outsourced i love that word yeah, <laughs> outsourcing yeah. my personal responsibility yeah. Yeah. to luck or just and that's the thing about religion a lot of people are like you know prayer is important faith is important all like don't let me diminish the faith in this in this statement but right. the concept is is like a lot of people look at people that are in churches, in synagogues, in, in whatever mm. place of religion, and tragedy strikes, you know, strikes, and a situation happens, and it's like, let's pray. You know? oh, right, thoughts you know? and prayers, thoughts and, and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, yeah, thoughts right, and prayers. Right. It's like, yeah. well, there could be some action done, too. Well, we could do something, yeah. <laughs> there could be, yeah. so I get the yeah. bad energy on someone. I can't diminish the renowning miracles that can happen with prayer, but I can yeah. also tell you that us getting off our butt and doing the work, too, yeah. And like figuring out solutions. And sometimes, you know, you see it with doctors like trying to save cancer and things mm -hmm. of that nature. Like they're, they're praying, but they're yeah. also putting in the work. Maybe <laughs> and they're also, believing in yeah. you know, solutions. And they're so. like cutting out the tumor. It's like, can we can we help Jesus? Yeah. Oh, can yeah. we give him a cyst or something? Yeah, man. Don't make yeah. him carry all the... All the all the water. I've seen it. I've seen both. I've been really close to that process. Really? Yeah. And so, you know, I might even have a personal stake in that belief, too. And appreciate all the people putting that work where, like, you know, prayer and stuff is great. And maybe it can cure the cancer. But it's like the research and the people doing the work. And maybe that is the miracle. And that's maybe who we're praying for. Yeah, right. <laughs> Those people behind the, <laughs> behind the scopes and stuff. And so, that's um, true. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. And so. I feel like this all ties together with your personal brand, right? Speaking of which, you have your own hats and shirts, huh? I do. Anyone I do. else notice that? Uh, yeah, a couple people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple people. Kind of like what you said. When I was you like, just, yo. What, what, we got the first to do. Yep. And then to tell, right? And when yeah, you get exactly. the hats and the shirts. I love that, That man. does the telling for sure. So the branding for you is like, I'm not even sure, to be honest. I know it's accountability. Yeah. It's ownership. 
inspiration, inspire? Let me give you a little bit of a glimpse. Uh, yeah. My my tagline, my Instagram, inspire more life. Yeah. Uh, if we break down, like just break, if we break down, and I can talk forever on this thing, but let's break down the words by itself, right? Inspire, inspire. Most people know it as the word to like encourage or like to feel uh, an urge of excitement about something. Yeah. But it also means to like breathe in because in is, you know, obviously inhale and stuff like that. But yeah. to, to, to aspire is to breathe. It's a Latin word called like spire or spire or then it trickled down to spire. Okay. And so when I look at like inspire is when you breathe in something, right? And bringing and breathing in something is like you can bring in positive things that make you more excited and motivated. Yeah. And so when I think about more life and inspire more life i want people to breathe in these concepts of like the ability to do more okay. hope you know more life was a saying that's a drake album that people know <laughs> but it's also off one if i think someone that was jamaican a jamaican saying slang that was like wishing someone well and i think wishing someone well if i were to break down that concept today it's giving the person the ability to live a more fulfilling life Mm. to have more fulfilling relationships, to yeah. just do more with their life. Yeah. And like, if you're really wishing someone well in this life, it's really not just wishing them health, it's wishing them wealth, careers, more, right? Like yeah. without more, this is that saying, like without growing, you're dying. You ever hear about that? If you're not growing, you're dying. Stagnation is death. Stagnation is death. Yeah, that's fine. Stagnation is death. That's aggressive, but yeah. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? But I like the concept because I know if I'm not moving forward, I'm dying. So if you're wishing someone well, you should wishing them to grow and to continue to flourish, right? Yeah, right? And so to inspire more life is to breathe into people that, that growth, that hope. And so we have two sides, you know, the business side where we help companies grow. I'm working on the personal development side. That's what I'm really excited about. Okay. Creating infrastructures and, and, and systems. And I have to walk you through the model. I love your insights on it. Helping people grow wishing them well in their lives and, and making sure as a humanity, we continue to just encourage growth and not just encourage it and inspire it from just a he, he, happy, happy, but like producing actual results and systems yeah. to progress, man. So I'm excited about that. That's inspired more life company called Spire Life. And so we, we rocking. I love it, rocking man. and rolling. Is there something that you've seen that people want to do the most or like that they can change the most? Just the kind of the lowest hanging fruit for a lot of people. The lowest hanging fruit for a lot of people in the personal development area. Oh, man. Or is there something that you feel like you just see time and time again that you're like, let me just put this on a billboard. Can you guys just can you guys just I think about so this? I have so many quotes in my head right now. Yeah. But when you say that, what I encourage people to do is, this is, this is two sayings that come. I have three. I have three. Do the simple things like okay start one step like if you're not waking up on time if you're not if you're watching the stuff you shouldn't be watching if you're staying up stuff watching it too long if you're like yeah. having a conversation you shouldn't be hanging out with people you shouldn't be hanging out with like start to make steps in that direction to be able to like yeah. free yourself up you know okay. what i'm saying and, and now you can think about bigger stuff the thing about the capacity is sometimes we're doing so much stuff watching so much television listening to so much other stuff we're not giving ourselves to think on a higher level and so i think that's one of them uh, I think you got to challenge yourself, right? Like get yourself in uncomfortable places. And I say that in a way where I've been having this mantra in my head, meaning the reason I came down here is because on the back of to be who I've never been, yeah. I have to do what I've never done. There you go. I love that. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's like, the third one has to do with time. Like okay. anything you want to do, like I, I don't 
when people come up to me and they're like, Jonathan, I have this, I have this dream. And then they, they turn the dream into an impossibility real quick because of their current situation. Mm. But then I say, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the time limit on your dream? Why are we trying to, yes, a dream can be impossible. If I'm trying to be president tomorrow, the dream becomes impossible, mm-hmm. right? Because it doesn't make sense. There's no, can I be a president within 20 years Maybe. or 30? Doesn't yeah. your chances increase significantly? Yeah. Let's start with anything you want to do, whether you want to get into a different profession. If you want to do that tomorrow, it seems impossible. If you want to extend the timeline of getting into your profession in 10 years and a decade, yeah. almost anything is possible yeah. with that metric. And so yeah. I would encourage people to dream and extend the timeline in your impossibilities to make things possible because, you know, yeah, everyone's trying to rush everything. And it's like, there's so much to do with the right amount of, with the right time frame on it. We just want what we want right now. Just want what we want. Yeah. I have to imagine that a lot of this, these uh, mindsets about growth and process, it's, it comes from your athletic experience, right? Yeah, that's a great, I love that. That's a great question. Most people don't ask that. I have to assume. My, I I can, yeah, athletics and business, like athletics for sure, because like you said, competing at that high level of anything, you, you use the same frameworks to be successful. Sure. In anything. And it just started yeah. with sport, right? Like yeah. the discipline, the sacrifice, like all those concepts, you can extract the sport. And yeah. then what gave me that realization is like, I got into business and I started learning about business. And I was like, man, the business and relationships, they all hold the same factor, like sacrificing, showing up, it's the same giving stuff, your effort, right? you know, giving 100% of your effort, you know, being willing to change, being coachable. Like the most times business are not successful is the lack of change, the lack of coachability, yeah. the lack of, you know, ethical or supporting factors in culture, yeah. right? Like these things are just deteriorating factors that yeah. will deteriorate you in any factor of your life, yeah. right? Whether that's relationships, sport, or business. And so you hit it right on the head. I did learn a lot from sport, especially doing it for so long. So even though I don't, like, I'm like, man, should I have stayed at sport that long? I did extract a lot of parallel. I think um, so like you know comparable things that i could could lean into in that factor so you never wanted to stay around it after you feel like you finished competing i feel like i see a lot of people they just transition into coaches trainers maybe they work for the university that they were competing for yeah and that's why i think and this is going to be a hot take for anyone who feels like they don't want to be in sport or they don't want to be in corporate or they don't want to be in a career get out of there as soon as possible because you will end up living in Ah. what you've the bed you created meaning like you're exactly right i probably should have been expected to be a coach or in university or something like that because something i created that bed for myself yeah and people got my identity mixed up they were like you're an athlete that's what you love and i was like guys i honestly this is not my favorite like this is not my favorite place to be and i'm excited when i one day can like do something else but this was more of a vehicle for me okay to be able to grow some of those like plug in my giftings grow as a person, get through college, mm-hmm. work up from a partial scholarship. Like these are all, this was very strategic, but by the time I was done with it, my bed was made. You know, yeah. I had a resume yeah. that really people like, audit, like, oh, but I won't give you this job because, <laughs> you, you know right. what I'm saying? Because this isn't your work experience. Your work right. experience is in sport, right. you know? And, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you well, know. For now, you, I guess. You get what I'm saying though? Yeah. Like now I'm going to have to build my resume. Yeah all the way to, to try to fit into that. So now you break that, 
you know, and then I, now I'm gifted because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going to try to go the traditional route to know the value I can add. So now I'm going to yeah. go out on my own and work with companies and businesses yeah. on my own and, you know, and, and prove results and give results and, and then use that. And so that's what I've been doing. I left that realm, even though I did, yeah. I was given an opportunity in that realm at a, at a pretty good rate and, and just good team. Yeah. But I felt like I didn't want to, you know, there's times to sacrifice, but there's also time to set your own course and set your own trajectory. And you just got to know when to do it. You got to be aggressive with it. You got to be faithful in that process. And yeah, man. I think a lot of people probably don't pull the trigger when they feel like they should, right? There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of lack of confidence. There's a lot of self-doubt. You just went for it or what? Man, no, no, no. I stayed for years. Oh, okay. You know, I stayed in sport for like, I was a, I was one of the longest standing student athletes at the University of Illinois. I spent like, I had a seven-year relationship with them, meaning like usually it's four years. Right. I had an extraordinary, uh, not extraordinary, like uh, I for, I'm trying to figure out the way that they use. Like just basically a hardship waiver that was able to keep me in communication with the university for a year, but I was out of the university. I became a full-time caregiver for like nine months to a year. Yeah. Uh, my father got really sick and okay. so left university, but they gave me some of that. And so it pushed me to seven years. And so almost i could round up to a decade i'm just gonna round up to a decade yeah. but like man wilder think about that though like yeah. you know what i'm saying putting in that work being at university like sacrificing that time and i stayed another two years because it was like just made sense for my masters i was like okay i finally worked up to be on a full ride like yeah how can i you know and so it became so strategic but my heart was like bro go go do your world thing go make yeah. that whatever that is like go figure it out and yeah. so i am and and Things have consequences, man. You know what I'm saying? So on the back of that, you know, people are like, man, you're spending all this time experimenting and doing all that. And, you know, I love the guys, you know, surround yourself by great people. One of my guys sent me this this morning. You mind if I read it real quick? Yeah, sure. Of course. It's, it's super, it's super dope uh, that he was thinking of me. He said, he sent this, he said, before you discover what you love, fewer commitments, more experiments. Mm. After you discover what you love, fewer experiments, more commitments. And, you know, yeah. he understands I'm in a time where yeah. I did a lot of commitments before I found out what I loved. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm like, okay, I want to plug in all these gifts and talents, kind of like I mentioned at the beginning of this, yeah. and and plug it into, you know, what I love. And But kind of like sourcing out who you love is like dating, right? Like it is. you have to date all these things and you got to see all that, but you got to, you know, be intentional. And then you got to, if it's going to not work, one of my favorite sayings, if you're going to fail, fail fast. Because you don't have yeah. time to just be sitting and stuff. And sometimes we do it. For everyone listening to this, that needs relationship advice. <laughs> if you're going to fail in your relationship, fail fast. Because the little the thing we do is we stay with this girl or guy or person yeah. that we're not going to, we know we shouldn't be with. Yeah. And we're not leaving room for the person we should be with. That's right. Easy yeah. math. <laughs> you yeah. know? So that's my, you know, for someone who's single like myself, that's my, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's my advice. Yeah. Single to single. <laughs> <laughs> There's opportunity costs and everything. Yeah. yeah so if you're going to fail, fail on something, if you're going to try something out, try it out. Yeah. Really try it out, right? So I need to leave sport to open, you know. Sport yeah. keeps you like, I travel with sport, but you can't yeah. leave the hotel. Like, you need to, you know, you want to rest the body. You can't That's be walking right. around the city and That's right. hopping on, you know, risking your body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just, you don't want to be risking your body like that in general. But you get what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's a high risk when yeah. someone's depending on you to represent their team, the nation, right. things of right. that nature. And then they fly you back 24 hours after. So you have one day to cram everything, or 12 hours to cram yeah. everything in. Um, and then you kind of got like an expiration date at some point, right? 
right with the body yeah, yeah. some people think but in sports like track and field and stuff you're usually not making enough money like 99 90 like significant amount of people are not making enough money to retire at 30 like and for their whole life the thing yeah. about football and those sports is yeah you can retire and if you use your money wisely you should be able to live off that for a long long time you know or hedge that with some other stuff yeah that's a lifelong plan that you can retire at 30 makes sense right, right. Right. But track and field and these Olympic sports, sometimes you got to be doing two jobs and starting to look at your career and starting to exercise that a little bit and build that up. I didn't really want to. And a lot of people don't end up getting into their careers until they're like 28 or or like 30. Yeah. You know, you're right. Who do I look like getting into business at 30 years old? Yeah. First day of work, first day as an associate. You know, not for anyone doing that. Glory to you, you know, like great to you, like great props, like no, do it, no, hey, do it, do it, yeah. But like when you know that you shouldn't be in something, you're like yeah. waiting to get into something at thirty. It's like I don't think it's a great place. No, it's not ideal. The most ideal starting right. point for you know right. what you know you're gonna get into. Start as soon as you can, but for for a lot of cases, it should maybe be a little sooner than we stepped out to yeah yeah and so yeah i sacrificed those almost five years man of, of knowing when i should leave and just like yeah making sure i got the education first making sure i got the accolades first my favorite part about all this is that i think whatever you would be telling the people that you're coaching the businesses that you're seeing and you're advising yeah you've done all this you've lived all this yeah you've done exactly this and you know what the decision is you know how hard it is that just makes you able to deliver the message better yeah yeah, yeah. I love how you uh, you sum you, the two parts of the organization, right? And you sum it up into coaching. That's how the the mind. Um, but it also, like, and that's what I'm excited to show you too is like, coaching is one thing, and I think people have a hard time with coaching because sometimes they don't plug into things. And when I look forward to like building this structure out, is like, along with coaching, people get access to opportunities. And that's going to be the exciting part of what we come out with is that access, access to to actually seeing the fruits in your development. Because mm. when I jumped out for more, it was like, am I even progressing? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, and with anything, you don't actually don't know sometimes when you're, when you're growing until you look back. And you, I don't know if you can, in this journey of like survival with more, yeah. you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's hard to do. So I'm looking forward to like working with people and helping them on that process because there's a coaching aspect to how do we connect people with wider networks? How do we create an infrastructure system that allows people to grow? And so uh, that will be launching soon for sure. I'm looking forward. I'm excited. I think one of the things that one of my friends told me, he's he's about to be married. This is a separate issue, but he told me that the thing that he looked for in his partner was coachability. That was the number one thing. Uh, that's, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? I I obviously love it. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's just hilarious that he used that for. I his thought partner. it was. I thought it was hilarious, and I didn't get it until he explained it. Right? It's just this person can hear your feedback. Right? They can. They can. They don't have the ego to fight against yeah. it. Yeah. And they can consider it, and they can agree or disagree. But it's like they're open to it. Yeah. And they have the self discipline and control to make things work. Yeah. No, that's. That. That's what made, I feel like that's what made me so successful. You know, kind of like, I don't know if you guys know, but this guy right here gave me a one hour dance lesson and made me the best dancer (laughs) in one hour that I I could ever imagine. Like, this was incredible. Yeah. Uh, But it's just like that. Your ability to teach me your skills, man. Yeah. Of bachata. I don't know if you guys know, but this man can bachata with the best of them. Yeah. Uh, 
and you got me right. And like, but I was able to listen. Yeah. And we had to do it quick though, you yeah. know? And we talked about those concepts of just like, you know, but um, most people will look at Coach like most people will hear you say that yeah. and call that guy. Sounds that's, weird, right? At, that's at the toxic, very least, like right? that's toxic masculine, you right? Know? Yeah, yeah, right. It sounds very masculine and maybe yeah. overly masculine, right? Yeah, but it's not supposed to be. You know, it doesn't have to be this inferior role. Coachability can be from any angle. Yeah, maybe he looks for that because he's super coachable and he wants someone else to be super coachable. I assume. I hope. <laughs> you hope. I mean, I hope. I've not dated him, so not all coaches wanted were coachable themselves. <laughs> correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's but, true. You know, but I mean, just in that example of me teaching you, right? So just for context. Yeah, I dance every Monday night here in Bangkok, and then, get it. you know, Jonathan, I think you might be into this world at some point. Man. That's my feeling. But, you know, yeah, first experience, first exposure to it. So I, I met him an hour before, and then I just taught him the basics, and I taught him a series of like five, five, five but then five moves times two, because you could do it on both two ways. sides, so two sides, so right, ten. Yeah. That is unheard of for one hour for a beginner. And to do it well and to not look like a clumsy oaf. Oh, my God. We danced with like five people. Like I danced with like five people like right after that. That's was, amazing. Which is good. Unheard of. Honestly, unheard of. I haven't been dancing a super, super long time, but wow. And so the point that I'm trying to make is that the coachability, just in terms of you remove the masculinity and stuff like that, or, oh, this person's not listening to me. You wanted to know what you were doing wrong. You wanted to fix it. You wanted to repeat the things that you were doing wrong. You wanted to watch yourself. You wanted all the feedback. I mean, imagine how that person does in a relationship, right? Yeah. That's what my friend was talking about. And that kind of started changing my mind too. And mm. it's, it's just communication, right? It is. That's a bigger cornerstone. It is. And I think coachability is probably an under conversatable, like conversated word, like a, yeah. a word that we conversate over. Um, but man, it's so important. Yeah. It's even in the sport, in the coaching, in the athlete realm, we don't probably talk about it enough. Really? You okay. know, because it's like, sometimes you get just too caught up on talent or too caught up on certain things. Right. But would you choose someone who's coachable or talented? Obviously, you want the middle ground of that. But well, you both. shouldn't. But <laughs> yeah. people would actually go for the person who's extremely talented but lack of coachability. And then yeah. you find out in research yeah. that you would rather have taken someone with a little less talent and yeah. more coachability because you could potentially get that person to the level of talent that other person's at. Right. But people don't look at that equation a lot of times, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, it happens all the time. Kind of like culture, right? You see the yeah. coach who keeps bringing that one, you know, athlete that is maybe a, a little bit of a jerk and doesn't want to be a team player. And yeah. people just keep picking them. And then he ruins the culture. They don't win a championship. And it's like right. the story keeps, and that's a story for a reason. Because in culture, you want to sacrifice talent potentially to bring in the right people to create the right culture because that's going to create a sustainable, successful company there's the baseline of talent yeah but but you can't sacrifice yeah for just talent company relationship marriage business it's all like we're talking about with everything right the same elements that make up a successful xyz it's the same everywhere it is that's yeah. what i love about life yeah once you understand that, it doesn't become any easier necessarily. <laughs> That's true. It I'm not going to tell you guys it becomes easier, but it does become more understandable. And you can understand the difficulties. Like you can understand that it doesn't become easier and, and build a relationship with that. Yeah. You know, in sport, for me, it never, like, people are like, oh, it gets easier to run and grind your body and do the workouts. And maybe your body gets stronger so you can tolerate it a little bit in a different way. But the difficultness became about the relationship. I had with walking into that workout 
Okay. And then coming out of that workout and showing is it was a relationship that was built. That's true. You know, and so I, I would say the same thing with life. Create the relationship that life's not always going to be easy. Yeah. Create a good relationship with that. Yeah. Accept that actually. Yeah. That's what my point is. Accept yeah. that. Accept know? it. Now what? And then figure out like how. So when it comes up, it's not you know a heartbreaker or something that's like totally derails you. It's just something you have to have a process to work through until the sun comes up again. It's resilience. It's resilience. Yeah. It's resilience. What's next for you? Man, inspire more life. <laughs> yeah. Maybe more travel. Honestly, yeah. coming to Bangkok, it, you know, I left, came here for, if you guys don't know, I came here for a month, then I extended my trip like 40, 50 days. Yeah. And so I'm going to end up standing here over, you yeah. know. Yeah. Man, so like where I'm going to live, where I'm going to travel, how I'm going to like expand the, the principles and the lessons that I want to expand with, inspire more life to see how I want to balance personal growth with, you know, helping businesses grow and, and you know, which one's going to, you know, do both, take the sacrifice. You know, you read, yeah, you read what? You read uh, Good to Great. If you guys have never, never read it, it's a book, Good to Great. And one of the lessons in there is like the hedgehog versus the, the fox, I think, or something like that. Let's just use a fox. The fox has like 8,000 moves. And I've been there, you know what I'm saying? But the hedgehog has one. And okay. it, it wins against the fox all the time because yep. it just goes into a ball. Okay. And I think it's the hedgehog. Yeah, it goes into a ball. And it's just one thing. And so just one simple move very well, and it, it wins every time. And yeah. so the hedgehog can never get at it. I mean, the fox can never get at the hedgehog. And so um, that philosophy is what the book claims makes you great, is like doing one thing really well. Okay. And so I'm always questioning myself, man. I'm like, hey, we got a lot of things that we're dabbled into What's next is part of like narrowing in, you know, the opportunities, letting some things go to maximize some things. And so I'll probably give it a couple more months in some different arenas. But yeah, in this next year, man, it's going to be about fewer experiments and more commitments. Yeah. That's the future. Pleasure to have you, man. Appreciate you. This <laughs> thanks is a great. Lot. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. It's encouraging. It's encouraging to see you out here doing your thing and, you know, the community, the, the, like just your story. And so I look forward, man, yeah. look forward to getting up out here a little bit more and seeing the world. I have a feeling this is uh, the first of many times or areas or places that will intersect. So yeah, it'll 100%, be good. Yeah. hundred percent. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you.